Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, um, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Amen. Um, Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord God, for my brothers, Father. I thank you, Lord God, for your word, Father. I thank you for your precious Holy Spirit, Father. I thank you, Lord God, how you quicken us according to your word, Father God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, how you declared sanctify them, Father, through thy word. Thy word is truth. Amen. I thank you for your faithfulness, Lord God, and how that you're not a man that you should lie. Neither the Son of Man that you should repent, Father God. And I thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' name, Father God, that he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, Father. I thank you, Lord God, that we are under your shadow. We are under your protection, Father God. It is written in, the, in your word, Father, that the angel of the Lord encamps around about them that fear him and delivers him. I thank you, Lord God, how you encamp around our families, Lord God. I thank you for those that are on their way to the meeting, Father God. I thank you, Lord God, that they're blessed coming into the land and blessed going out of the land. And I thank you, Lord God, for those that are partaking of the bread of life today and those that will partake in the future, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So you'll be speaking on what today again? Death. Well, um, we're going to be, I mean, the, the, the outline is going to be about the, the growth and maturity part two. And we're going to cover, you know, a little bit of the words, the Greek, different Greek words. But and I also wanted to talk about the, the the nine words in the New Testament for the word gift, because, you know, it's important that we understand what the word of God teaches us about these things. And then also we're going to talk about uh, the law of resurrection. Amen. And that's what we're going to start with. And so I was looking, you know, I love how God begins to put his word together and how he allows you to see by the word. Remember, I shared with you guys the other day that the more word in our lives, the more we can see in the spirit. And let me show you what I mean by that. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. All right. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. And the scripture says that Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. That's right. Let me know from that. So, um, Bible, that's what I want. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, right? The word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. And then he says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Okay? So, this word here, uh, manifest, make it manifest is the word not hidden. So, the number one strength of a man's soul is self-preservation. What does that mean? That means that if you get confronted, right, that, like our children, right, we, we talk to them about something and... Um, and then they'll tell us, no, Papa, it wasn't me. Because they're trying to defend and protect themselves. That's what the soul does. So, when, when the word of God comes forth, right, the, the immediately it makes a distinction of what, what is of the spirit, what is of the soul. Just like that. That's why 
And, and, and it's supposed to do that because, as it says here, it's quick and powerful. It's sharper than to the sword. So the word divided asunder here, piercing even to the dividing asunder, the dividing asunder is a separation for clarification. So the only thing that can give us the distinction of what is of God and what is not of God is the word of God. You see? So, for example, you got, you got an entertainer and he gets born again and, and his lifestyle is still hadn't been cleaned up. But yet he's out there ministering in the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah. See, you can't have both. In other words, you've got a, it's, it's a total separation away from the world, and that process takes time. It's not an instantaneous thing, right? So you've got thousands and hundreds of them that have went out before their time, right? The package wasn't ready, so they, got, they sent themselves out. And so they, they end up uh, getting involved in a lot of problems in their lives because they haven't sanctified themselves. They haven't spent time with the Lord. They haven't gotten the word in, in their lives. And the word of God is what's conforming us to Jesus Christ. So, again, uh, the divine asunder, the soul and spirit. So there's four things there. The soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So discern. So, in other words, you can see as, as Brother um, Daniel was talking about this past Sunday, right? Understand the distinction of what's coming forth. Just because it looks good on the outside, there, there's a problem still. You know, you got you to go deeper than that. That's why the scripture admonishes, test the spirits. The spirits are you and me. We're, we got our spirit, your spirit. That's what we need to be measuring, right? So the word here, even too, is the Greek word akri akris, and it, and it means until or unto through the idea of terminus. So terminus means that when you're in a bus station or a train station, the last point in your st in the stop of that train or that bus is the terminus. The final destination, in other words. So the Holy Ghost, all this time, and in, in preparing us in the Word of the Lord and stuff, and the ways of God, is that God has been trying to get us to that place where we're, we're at that place, even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit. In other words, where we clearly see what is not of God and what is of God. Just like that. And that's what God is trying to get us to. And just like Jesus, you couldn't. These guys that came to Jesus and, you know, they had all their ulterior motives and the reasons why they wanted to be around Jesus, right? See, the brother was talking about connections, right? They wanted to be around Jesus because they wanted to be associated with him, right? But when it came down to it in John chapter 6, he told them, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood or you're not going to have my life, my Zoe in you. What was he saying, right? He was the Passover lamb. He was saying, you've got to take all of me into your life. Not just the part that feels good. You see? So anyway, the point is, is that the divine asunder of the soul and spirit, even to the divine asunder. So he's trying to get us to that place where we see after the spirit, after the soul. We understand joints and marrow. We understand who our connections are in the body of Christ. And when there's someone that's trying to get connected into our lives, and it's, it, it, and it's through all these tactics of the soul, you know, manipulation or... Or, uh, or, or, you know, lying or trying to get in there another way, right? Other than the way of God, which in other words, we've got to let the Lord assemble the body of Christ. And you come forth in your strength, you come forth in your strength, and we're all coming forth. And when we come together and meet together as a body of Christ, everybody has a part. Because we're all joints and marrow, and Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Okay? Now, it says here in verse 13, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. The word manifest there 
it says that it's the word not hidden, right? So again, when my sons try to defend themselves, they don't understand that they just uncovered themselves. They just revealed themselves. And how do I know that? Because I know the soul. Then the soul wants to defend himself. Not your spirit, man. Your soul. He's the guy that has to be trained and developed and learn the ways of God and be discipled and trained. And that process takes time, right? We're going to get into that and talking about the making of the leader and, and where we're at in the Lord and so on. But, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. This word whom, I'm sorry, not whom, it's the word with. With whom we have to do. The word with is the word pros, P-R-O-S. And it means to the advantage of. When you have the advantage, in other words. So it says here, let me read it again with that understanding. Neither are, is there any creature that is not manifest or, or hidden in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with, in other words, to the advantage of whom we have to do. The word to do, here's the word logos, which is the word of God. The word of God, in other words, he that's got the, the word of God in his life is going to be just like the Father and able to see in the Spirit what the soul is doing. And therefore, if necessary, expose the soul and get him dealt with. Right? And that's called that's part of the, the word of God teaches us about that. That's called the bishop of the soul. Bishop is the word episcopeo. Epi means over. And then scopeo is where we get the word for scope. So like if you got a rifle or something and you got a scope, the whole idea is to bring whatever target in close so you can see it and make the shot. That's what the bishop ministry is. And the scripture says that Jesus is the chief shepherd and bishop of our souls. So Jesus is the word. The word of God is the only thing that can allow you to see when somebody's operating in their soul and when someone's operating in their spirit. Yeah. And so when you bring the word to them, the word of God is always going to uncover, discover, and then recover. God doesn't want you to uncover yourself so you can see yourself and you're not lining up with the word. Then you come into repentance and you discover yourself and you get before the Lord and say, Father, forgive me. And then he recovers you. He puts, he puts the covering back on you because now you're back in relationship. Amen? Yeah. So again, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in the sight. Let me read that in another translation and see how they put it in the message. Nothing and no one is impervious to God's word. We can't get away from it no matter what. All right, that's not too revealing. Let's try to amplify it. And not a creature exists that is not concealed from his sight, but all things are open and exposed, nakedness and defenseless to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So again, whom is to the advantage of the word. When you have the word, again, you can see all this. So I'm saying all that to say that it's important that we understand the soul of our lives. And this soul, you know, he's got to go through a process of growth just like our children do. When we, when we have a child, he's born, you feed him, you train him, you teach him until they're ready to be responsible in their, you know, whatever they do as far as college or wherever the next level is. So anyway, in um, Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, and I want to cover this because God is, is prophetically re restoring these foundational truths uh, to our lives. 
on a, on a, on a dynamic scale right now. Okay? So if we start with Hebrews 5.12. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. I was, actually, I'm going to start from verse 11. Of whom we have many things to say, okay, and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. So in other words, when somebody's not listening to you, there's no point in talking to them, right? Because they're just ignoring you, right? So that's what he's saying here. I've got a lot to tell you all, but, you know, you're not listening. You don't, your life is not changing. There's no fruit, right? You know the tree by its fruit. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them who are full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Right? And we, what we need to understand here about the soul of an individual, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Yeah. Your mind is the part that you conclude with. It's how you get to a place of, you, the, the mind wants to get to a place where he understands. Right? He's got something he can stand on. The word or whatever, the, you know, whatever we're getting trained in and a job or whatever, you need that in order to be able to have a foot. In other words, stand on something. And again, the mind uses, you know, conclusions. He learns information, again, to come to that place of understanding. But then the kingdom of God, the way we get the, the information and the knowledge of the word of God is through revelation. God reveals it to you at, at whatever level you're at. Because he needs to get you to the next level of glory, to the next level of glory, to the next level of glory. 30, 60, 100 fold fruit, the blade, the ear, the full corn. Every one of us is growing at wherever the Lord has us. He's, the scripture says in, in John 15, 1, that my father is the husbandman. He's the great farmer. He knows how to take care of his sons and daughters and bring them forth in their seasons and so on and, and mature them. And in that process of maturing, it's called the law of resurrection. In other words, you were at one place, but because of my word being revealed to you by my spirit, as you spent time in my presence, now I'm ready to take you to the next level. And he keeps revealing a little part of that resurrection of Christ in our lives. Now, I need another area to deal with in your life, Joseph. I need you to deal with this so that we can now grow up, grow up and move on to the next level. Okay? So, again, it says in verse 12, For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again. You see, you should have been at that place where you can take this word out and it'll flow out of your belly as rivers of living waters, right? As Jesus said, right? He told her, out of your belly, out of, you know, shall flow rivers of water. And that's where we should all be, where this word of God just comes out, man, like a flood, man. And then it says that you should have been at a place where you're, you're, you're past the principles of the oracles. The word oracles here is the word logion, which comes from the word logos. A brief utterance, a divine oracle, an utterance of God. So again, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again. I've got to tell you again, Paul is saying here. And he told him that again is a new, fresh. In 1 Corinthians 3, 1, it says, And our brethren, when I came to you, I couldn't speak unto you as spiritual. I had to speak unto you as carnal. Because you're still babes in Christ. Napios is the word there. You're still infants, man. 
So now I've got to retrain you. This is what Paul is saying. And then he says, verse 13, for everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the logos of righteousness, for he is a babe. And see, there's no shame or intimidation <clears throat> in understanding where you're at in the Lord. You, we've got to be honest with ourselves, right? Because if we don't acknowledge where we are with God, then, then, then we're fooling ourselves. You see, if we think we're something that we're not, you see, and we can't be that way. You have to be honest before the Lord. The one thing we do know is that we're all righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. You stand right before the Father because of the blood. And so do I. Now, as far as sanctification, holiness, that's a whole other thing. Because as we grow in the Lord, God sanctifies you and separates you into himself more and more and more and more and more. Where your only focus and your only desires is Jesus said, I'll only do the things that please my Father. That's the goal we're trying to get to as a son of God. Amen? Because we want to represent God in the earth. That's what God needs in the earth. He's called ambassadors. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5.17 there. Hmm. Ambassadors of the Lord. Alright, so and then he says, but everyone that Okay, so I'm talking about, talking about the soul, right? Because the mind wants understanding. The will is determination, your choice, your intent, your purpose, and your desire. That is your will. And your emotions are sight, taste. I mean, the five senses, sight, taste, touch, hearing, uh, smelling. smelling. These all affect emotions. Love, hatred, all these things impact emotions. But the scripture says right there in verse 14, Strong meat belongs to them who are full age or mature, in other words, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So you don't let yourself get emotional, in other words, about whatever's going on. You, your foundation is the word of God. You know that God's going to take care of you. You know that God, you're representing God, and that's, that's all that you need to understand and know. Hey. Have you ever tried to, uh, one time me and my sons and my wife, we went out to dinner. And I bought a mistake. They were probably 13 to 14. And they were sitting there trying to cut big old pieces of meat and put it in their mouth. And, like, <laughs> oh. and they finally had to spit it out because it's too much. You see? But when you're mature and you grow up, you know how to process the steak. You take small bites. Yeah. You see? And you savor that flavor, man, and you enjoy it. Because you know that if you put a big piece of uh, meat in your mouth, your jaws are going to hurt. Yeah. You're going to hurt your teeth even. So he says here, strong meat. In other words, you know, mature. You know, when we grow up in the Lord, we can handle the, the, the firmness of God, the, the things that God needs to bring to our lives. As he says in Hebrews chapter 12 over there, that what son is he whom the father doesn't correct, right? It's, it's part of the way of God to be corrected. The scripture says reproofs in Proverbs. It says reproofs and instructions are the way of life. This is what we're going to be given in our lives. And, and, and of course, as you grow up and mature more and more, there's less times that, that God has to deal with your soul because you've dealt with yourself, right? The scripture says uh, judgment must begin first at the house of God. If you allow yourself to be honest with the word of God, as the scripture says in that divided asunder, in other words, acknowledge where you're at in the Lord, then God can, then, then at that point, God can be, Reveal to you where you're at so that you can continue to grow. Mm. You see? But strong meat belongs to them who are full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. See, they don't get themselves 
They don't allow the soul. So one time at work, for example, I had a, a situation that happened. And the guy that I was working with, he, uh, he didn't want me to talk, he didn't want me to tell the people about this little adapter for the ethernet. It was a USB-C adapter because the laptops didn't have an ethernet port. Okay. So he, so I said, well, what are they gonna do if they need an ethernet port? And he's like, don't give it to them. Don't tell them about it. Uh -uh. And he started yelling at him. Now I was over there, wow. Scott, what are you doing, man? I mean, and then my, my supervisor came in there and was trying to get him to calm down. See, his soul was out of control, right? Just like a child. It doesn't matter if you're 55 years old, man. The soul is the soul is a soul. In other words, we can have fits and have attitudes even if we're 50 and 60 years old. And that's a shame, right? We should have already been matured and grown up, but we don't let things get to us like that. So I was sitting there just all calm and everything. I said, Scott, you don't have any authority, man. What are you talking about? You can't tell me don't do this. That place hasn't even been given to you. You see? And my supervisor came in there and says, you know, you need to settle down, man. And he was upset, man, with me, you know. I said, and I didn't let it bother me. Like I'm saying, strong meat belongs to them who are full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So in other words, I, like I said, I know I know his his how he operates and stuff, and, and I, I just don't allow that soul to intimidate me. And that's the thing is that when you walk in the kingdom of God, the, the, the fierceness that you have of the, of the spirit of God and the word of God in your life causes you to be at that place where you're confident in the things of God. And you're not intimidated what the world thinks. You know, like sometimes if I pull up to a gas station, someone is playing all their, you know, thumpy music and stuff. I walk over there and I tell them, hey, you need to turn that down. One time... <laughs> One time I was at a Walmart, and there was a young guy in front of me. Another two people in front of him were waiting at the service desk. And you know how stressful it is when you go to Walmart, man. There's people everywhere, man. You got to be on your guard. You don't know what, you know. And anyway, he was sitting there, and he was had his cell phone, and he was dancing and singing and had the music playing out loud where everybody can hear it. I said, sir, excuse me. I was right behind him. I said, and there was, there was an older couple, and there was another couple with, with their children, and, you know. And I said to him, I said, sir, uh, you realize you're in a public space. Mm. He said, what do you mean? This is my music. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't tell him anything about his music, you see. And uh, I said, you realize you're in a public space, man. You need to consider where you're at here. When you're at home, you can do whatever you want to do. You can dance around, whatever. Yell, but when you come out here, there's an order, man. There's the there's the way that we operate out here. We don't operate like that. Is what I was telling him. Mm, wow. And all he did was he turned around and he just buttoned up. In other words, straightened up. You see? Because see, like I said, the soul of an individual, when you when you don't want, when, first of all, we understand that where are the fathers? In other words, because of the fathers not being in their lives. A lot of our sons and daughters of God grow up with only matriarch, which is the mother, in their lives. So what happens to the sons of God, daughters of God? The daughters are out there looking for identity and trying to find a relationship with a man because they need that signet, that significance in their lives. The sons are lawless and rebelling because they think they, have, they know how to be responsible. And no matter what you try to tell them, who do you think you are? 
you know, they have this sense of entitlement, right? So all this because the father, right? They didn't, they didn't have the father in their lives. So now when you try to correct them in any form or shape, you know, they get all bent out of shape. But the scripture says in Hebrews 12, 5, what son is he when the father doesn't correct? So we know that the kingdom of God is, is, as it says, reproofs and instructions are the way of life. It's, it's what we do in the kingdom of God. That's the only way you can make disciples. The word disciple is about, is about being disciplined. And when you don't bring the discipline to each other's lives by the word and by the spirit. See, the motive has to be for the Lord. Jesus said, my judgment is just because I don't speak for myself. If I was speaking for myself, then we would have a problem. And that's where people don't understand the judgment of God and the word of God in these matters is that, well, the word of God says this. And then they'll tell you, well, who do you think you are? You're not my judge. You see, they don't understand how to receive correction because they never had it growing up. Okay. So, again, Hebrews 5. Now, now we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 here. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. So, again, if we, if we relay that to our children, right? There's a place that we expect our children to be as they grow up. And as they grow up, they're handling more and more responsibilities and stuff, and they're showing themselves mature. They're not acting a fool all the time. And, and at, at some point, it comes to a place where they're ready to have the keys to the car, and that's another big accomplishment. But if they haven't been trained right, they're going to be out there having all kinds of conflicts on the, on the streets and stuff. My wife has been working with, the, with our sons. And uh, taking them out there to the play, uh, to the uh, parking lot and driving. Well, my other son Thomas, he had never had any, you know, he hadn't spent any time with her yet. And uh, well, he rolled over the the curb, and now this little plastic thing that was down there on the bottom of the car, my wife had to tear it off because it's just, you know, every now and then scraping the road and stuff. But the point is, you know, that's part of you know being trained is that if you learn from your mistake, right? and go on with the Lord and, and, and make the change and make the correction, then God can continue to bring the law of resurrection. In other words, bring you to, from one level of glory to another level of glory to another level of glory. And that's what we want as sons of God, daughters of God. So as in, back in Hebrews chapter 6, 1, it says, Therefore, leaving the principles, and the word principles is archaic, the chief things, of the doctrine of Christ, doctrine is logos, let us go on unto perfection or maturity, not laying again, the foundation of repentance from dead works, number one. Faith toward God, number two. Doctrine of baptisms. There's seven baptisms that the New Testament talks about. Laying on of hands. And, I'm sorry. Doctrine of baptism, laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. So in other words, it talks about six different areas there that the, the body of Christ doesn't have a clue about this because you don't hear it taught, right? And we didn't know that there were six foundational principles, right? And so I'm not going to go over them. I just wanted to highlight them that repentance from dead works, not repentance from sin. Jesus didn't come to call the righteous. He came to call the sinner. The sinner needs to acknowledge that Jesus now has been made sin for us who knew no sin. You see what I'm saying? And so this is where the world and, and, and the majority of the body of Christ is at, is that they, they think they have to be doing all these things to gain favor with God. And it's a dead work. The way we get favor with God is through the blood of Jesus Christ and be obedient to his word, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. We continue to be involved in the word of God and allow it to mature us and grow us and move us on in the things of God. 
So that's the first thing is that, so in the doctrine of baptism, the first baptism was the baptism of John. It's called, and, and, and let me go read that one. Hebrews, I mean, uh, Acts chapter 19. Verse 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. Amen. These guys were word guys. Amen. And he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto them, what were you baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. And they said, and then said Paul, John verily or truly baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Three baptisms right there. Mm. Now, so the John's baptism, the reason I'm bringing that up is because John's baptism is something that the Christian doesn't have to experience because John was before Christ. Mm -hmm. Jesus and everything after Christ, right? Baptizing the name of Jesus is, is, is where we start as Christians. But before that, they didn't, that Jesus hadn't died yet. So they had to have the baptism of repentance and then therefore they showed fruit worthy to receive that word of God, that Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Now the ministry of John the Baptist is still in the earth and that the heart has to be prepared in order to receive the word. That's why praise and worship in Judah, the scripture says Judah went first. Judah was the tribe of Judah. They played and sang and praised God. That's what they did. And they always went out in front of the rest of the children of Israel. Yeah. So Judah is, 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 is the ministry of John the Baptist in that they, they prepare the heart and get the heart soft in the presence of God so that when the word of the Lord comes forth, Jesus, the word, it ministers to their lives and they're able to receive Christ and get something from the Lord. So, again, that's covering three baptisms right there. And all I'm saying is, is that that ministry of John the Baptist is not something that we encounter anymore as Christians. But, so that's repentance from dead works. And then he says, um, faith toward God, not faith toward stuff. Right, so I remember there was a meeting we were in one time, and brother, you know, one of the ladies was—I don't know what she was going through—but she said, "I have faith." In Spanish, she's saying, "Tengo fe." And in my heart, I'm thinking, "Man, you gotta have faith in the Word of God, right? The Word of God is what produces." It's, the Scripture says that Jesus was the only begotten Son of God. The only begotten means monogene. Mono means only one of its kind. Gene is is genus, in other words, generate. And that's what this word produces. It produces the character of Christ in our lives, right? So this lady saying that I have faith, well, faith in what? Faith in the word, right? Not faith in just because I have faith. Because you can have faith in Satan. And you believe the fear and the doubt and the belief. You believe that voice. And you believe and you're walking around with, and you know, you're intimidated, you're full of fear, and, and you don't have any other word of God, so you don't know how to come forth with God, you know? So anyway, faith toward God, and then doctrine of baptisms, right? I talked about three of them, and I'm, 
the point I'm just trying to show that there's well we're going to be getting into all these at some point but and then he says the laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and the eternal judgment so here we see that first of all the scripture says about Jesus Christ of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end right Isaiah 9 6 and 7 right so that tells us a principle that governments has to come first and then peace so like I explained this to you before that if a nation comes into another nation that's being oppressed by their government to liberate the people that 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 government that came in has to be established so that now that there's peace in the land well it's the same thing with our lives is that the government of God which is the Word of God has to be the thing that governs our hearts and our lives right the scripture says the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet in other words your gift Right, and, and I want to cover that here a little bit. That gift of grace, the graces of God, has to be subject to your spirit. In other words, it can't be the gift that rules. It's got to be your spirit, man, as you, it's, as the Holy Ghost is ministering and so on and bringing forth and revealing. So, um, but that laying on of hands is what is what the Lord is doing right now in bringing governments, because the Scripture says ordain elders in every city and in every church. Why? The eldership was always the government of God. And it hasn't changed even now. But we think that because we're talented and we're gifted and so on, we think that's the government. In other words, the gift is not the government. The government is the word. Right? Yeah. And see, here's the thing is, is that we haven't known any other way than what our forefathers and the ones that went before us have taught us. But in the kingdom of God, the scripture says there's 24 elders around the throne of God. Ruling, right? So, I'm just saying that right now, that's what God is doing right now in the earth is that He's bringing forth His governments into the communities, into the fellowships, so that the, that the eldership can be established. And by the way, the elders happen to be apostle, prophet, and shepherd teachers. You see, they have these graces of Jesus Christ in their lives. And so, anyway, the point is, is that. The next thing that, that, that the scripture says here is resurrection of the dead. So what the Lord began to show me here is that you can't resurrect something unless it's dead. Right? Yeah. And so Jesus taught us, right? He said that you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. For he that seeks to save his suke, his soul, will lose it. But if you lose it, You'll find it because now he can trust you and he can now begin to bring the law of lift or resurrection into your life. You see, and that's what that's what we're beginning to see is that we're beginning to see that the, these these last three foundational principles here are all meshing together because eternal judgment right now. If you if you look clearly at what the God is doing in the earth, right, what he's allowing with this Corona and stuff, you know, hundreds of thousands of people dying. Right? And as the scripture says, say ye to the righteous. If you're walking by the Lord, then you're covered, man. Right? Amen. But woe to the wicked. This is an understanding of a little bit about the eternal judgment of God and how these things are eternal. If God said it, it's going to come to pass. Amen. You see, so we don't have to be intimidated about it, and we don't have to be in fear. So Jesus said, and uh, he told Martha, says, I am the resurrection, I am the life. All right? 
And the hour of resurrection is the hour of power, man. See, because you're now walking in that resurrection of Jesus Christ. The scripture says that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble, right? If we're walking around in arrogance and stuff and, and doing things our own way in our lives, then, then God, there's a natural resistance to that. Even in people that you encounter and, and you know that they're full of arrogance and stuff, you, wanna, you, wanna, you, you won't even want to come around them, right? But when they're humble, glory to God, and the word humble means to be not far from the ground. You're just, you're just walking that humility. You're, st you're staying grounded, in other words. And, uh, and so, anyway, in John 12, 20-32, Jesus talks about lest the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. Mm -hmm. It's the same principle that the seed, when it hits the ground, has to die or it can't germinate. It can't come forth. And the principle is you can't come forth out of your spirit unless you're dead to yourself. Verily by our saying to you, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone, but if it die, it brings forth much fruit. So the scripture teaches us in Proverbs that um, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. The heart of a man is made up of his spirit and his soul. It's the center and core of your life. The question is, is that we know that there was two trees in the garden, right? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life, right? Yeah. And the tree of life, he said, I mean, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil says every time you partake of this tree, you're going to die. They didn't die physically, right? But they lost the breath. They no longer have that inspiration in their spirit anymore. And if you look at what Adam was able to accomplish, right? He named all the animals, right? Adam didn't go to college. He had no veterinary degree or anything like that. And, and yet, how was he able to do that? Because he had the Spirit of God, the breath of God on his life, man. He had the life of God that caused him to know and comprehend and see things by the Spirit, right? But the point is, is that when they partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and we're still doing this today, is that we make a choice outside of the Word, you see? Um, in John 12, 31, it says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Cast out of where? Cast out of my life. In other words, because I have chosen to die, there is nothing in me. As Jesus said, the prince of this world comes and finds nothing in me. You see? Because he can, if he can find something, in other words, if he can push that button in your life and therefore get you to, you know, to act out and, and get all upset or angry or whatever, then, then he's, he's won. He's got you defeated at that point. And that's why we have to keep our heart. We have to guard it against the work of the enemy. We have to be wise in how the enemy operates and how he wants to get us out of that place of peace. And the reason you have peace is because you have governments in your heart. Jesus said, my peace I give you, not as the world gives. You see? He couldn't say that if he wasn't a man of governments. He couldn't tell him that I'm going to give you peace if he wasn't someone that was submitted to authority. Now in John 11, 21 through 26, then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever you will ask of God, he's going to give it to you. How could she know that, man? That whatever Jesus asked for, God is going to give it to him. Right? How could she know that? Well, if you look back in Mark eleven twenty three, 23, Jesus taught us here. 
He says, and if you, if you know this story, it's the parable of the fig tree. And uh, Peter, verse 21, calling to remember, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Have faith in God. Another way to read that is that have the God kind of faith. Right? Mm -hmm. And one thing about faith, right, and then this is a lie of the enemy that he, he, he tricks us in trying to make us think that we need to have a lot of faith. But that's not what Jesus taught us. He says, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed. Amen? One word of God, amen, will get you delivered out of any situation, man. If you'll take heed to your spirit and begin to hear the Lord in that word, and all of a sudden you bring voice to that word, you begin to prophesy, you begin to declare it, and all of a sudden, man, that law of lift, that law of resurrection is taking you into victory. So he says, verse 23, Verily I say unto you, I'm going to read it first, and then I'm going to go back and cover a couple words here, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. And she told Jesus, I know that if you ask God, he's going to give it to you. So now, Jesus is explaining here how this, this process works. So he says, Verily I say unto you, the word first word say here is the word Lego. Lego, if we understand Legos, when you have a toy for your kids and stuff, Legos are little building blocks. And you stack them up one upon another until they make whatever that thing is. And Lego means a set discourse. In other words, to mean what you say. All right? So he says, I say unto you, I Lego unto you, that whosoever shall, the next word here is, shall say is epo, E-P-O, which means just to make a random statement. Like, it's hot up here. Right? I don't mean or intend that word to do anything. I'm just stating that it's hot. Right? Or those flowers are blue or whatever. So he says that, verily I say unto you that whosoever shall, verily I, ep, I mean, lego unto you that whosoever shall epo unto this mountain, unto this mountain, in other words, speak to the mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea, and shall not doubt. This word doubt is the word diachrono. Diachrono means um, to withdraw from, to separate thoroughly, to oppose, to discriminate, or to hesitate. That's why when you pray, what Jesus is telling us here, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he legos shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he apples. <laughs> and so, in other words, she, Jesus knew how to pray. So when he said to that fig tree, this fig tree shall not produce fruit from this point on. He didn't just say a statement. He saw something in the spirit. Mm -hmm. and, he, and whatever the result is of what he was praying for, he had to make an intention to pray about it. He meant to say that this tree is cursed now. So in other words, he didn't doubt in his heart and say, well, maybe it'll come to pass, you know. Or he didn't, he didn't pause about it. He didn't hesitate. He was intent on telling us and showing us that whatever you say, if you have an intention in your mind. So today I was praying for something. I had it. I had a, you know, a lot of pressure, a lot of work. So I started praying. I said, Father, your word says, this is faith toward God, right? The word. That if I believe I receive when I ask, I shall have whatsoever I desire. Therefore, I'm asking according to your word. And I... And, and I'm declaring that I, my mind and the pressure off of my mind and my head is gone. And, I, and, I, and I, so I saw it. 
in my heart that I that I'm feeling better. In other words, happy and and uh, and and not pressured, right? Mm. And so within 30 seconds, man, headache is gone. You see? Because in my mind's eye, I had an intention for what I was asking God that if I ask you, I know that according to your word, you're going to give it to me. Not as a statement, but as a Lego. In other words, something that I lay forth with a step, 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 step to get to the, to get to the final destination, the point, in other words, of what I need. And so that's how we begin to understand what Martha said here. I know that whatever you're going to ask God, he's going to give it to you. Verse 22 in John 11. Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the Zoe, the life of God. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? What was he saying there? Was he saying that you're going to live for every eternity? Or was he saying that you got to be able to experience my life every day of your life? As long as you die to yourself. Right? So, a couple of statements here. You, you cannot be resurrected if you are not dead. You cannot be exalted if you are not dead. You cannot be promoted if you are not dead or humble. You cannot be elevated if you are not dead. So, we know that Jesus rose again from the third day, but he had to die physically. But before that, you saw his life that he had no aspiration for himself other than God. I only do those things that please my father is what he said. So the scripture says in James 4, 6 through 7, God resists the proud. The one who is alive and not dead to himself hmm. is the one that God's resisting. Wow. And the word, uh, and see, God resists the proud but gives grace. The one who is alive and not dead to himself. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, the word saith here again is lego, set discourse with the purpose. God resisteth, the word resisteth is, is anti, against, and an, the word resisteth is to range in battle against or to oppose yourself. So in other words, when he's saying I'm resisting you, I'm opposing you. I'm, I'm resisting you. I'm not just, you know, ignoring you. I'm telling you, you ain't going to go anywhere because you're alive. Amen. So the other day, and uh, one of the brothers, Brother Jeff, he said, he made a statement, man, so powerful. He said that the Passover was the gateway to the kingdom. And what is the Passover, right? A lamb that died. In other words, our lives before the Lord, if we're alive, he can't move in our lives. But if we're dead to ourselves, he can bring all kinds of resurrection to your life in so many facets. So it says here, the proud, he, gives, he, he resists the proud but gives grace, caris, to the humble. And humble here, it says to rising, to, to not rising too far from the ground, metaphorically condition of low or low degree. And then he says, submit yourselves. Submit yourselves, again, the word hupotasa, which means to range yourself under the authority. Therefore, to God, resist the devil and he will flee. And the word flee is pretty good here. It's, a, it's the word fuego. It means to shun. You know what shun is? It's when you ignore people on purpose. Right? Okay. 
But it says here that, that, that the scripture, submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will shun you. He's going to go away from you because he doesn't want you around because all you're doing is, 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 is bringing forth the life of God, amen, and faith toward God. So if anything, we want to be shunned of the devil, amen. Now, and, and I'm talking, again, we're talking about the resurrection here of life. In other words, the law of resurrection. What does it mean here? As it says in, 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 uh, in Hebrews chapter 6 about the resurrection of the dead. Are we talking about resurrecting people from the dead physically? No. Yes. But what about the spiritual side of things? What is it saying in the spirit, amen? Is that you can't live, Joseph, if you don't die. If you don't die for your children, if you don't die for your wife, they can't live. If you're always about you, you see, then how can they live if you're not laying it down for them and for your brothers and sisters and so on? In Luke 21, 25 through 28, it says, And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress. So on one side, there's darkness, right? The plagues, like in Exodus. But in Goshen, Scripture says there was light. So in other words, and upon the earth distress, the word distress is a holding together, a narrowing or a straight, a tight place, man, you know, of nations with perplexity. This word perplexity, it says the state of one who is in perplexity is in a quandary. And it comes from another word, it says to be without resources, to be in straits or to be left wanting or to be embarrassed, to be in doubt, not to know which way to turn, to be at a loss with oneself, to be in doubt. So in other words, if you look at our condition right now, what's going on in our nation and the world, that's where the state of the world is, right? You know, you got, you know, President Trump, you know, signed an order that don't close the meatpacking plants or whatever, because <laughs> we're running out of food, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. And, uh, and yet, you know, he signed that order. So in other words, the resources, right? All the places where we were able to go and get the things that we needed are drying up, man. You see? And then he says, uh, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. So the world, they expect one tragedy after another because they don't know any better, right? They don't know the word of God, the kingdom of God. They don't know how to operate in faith toward God. They don't know how to go to God and get the things that they need. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And we're seeing that right now. Man. We're seeing a lot of principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual weakness in high places, we're seeing these powers tumble down because of the government of God that's getting established in the earth. Right? Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. He was trying to tell them that if you build it on me, the foundation, Christ, there's always going to be stability, safety, and security there. But if you build it on yourselves, look at all these organizations there where they're closed up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. you see? Thank you. Wow. Because they're, they've been built on, and, and the way they're moving is fear. Men's hearts failing them for fear. Jesus. They can't figure it out, man, because they don't have a relationship with the Father. On, it was man. always dead works to them. I'm going to church. I'm paying my tithes. I'm giving my offerings. I'm, I'm working in the, in the ministry of music. I'm working wherever. You know, and a lot of them involved only to get a, a paycheck. Which the scripture talks about, you never put a put a put a um, a novice in the ministry. Someone that's just got born again, for example. 
And then it also talks about in, in Job about the, the hireling looks for the most amount of pay for the least amount of work. They don't know, they don't want to work hard, man. So they're only coming for a paychecks. Well, what happens when that, when that ministry dries up and there's no finance coming in to get the paychecks? Well, the Lord's telling me I got to move on. Because I ain't getting no paycheck no more. The motive is you. You see? Hmm. All that going on all the time. I was at a fellowship one time, and the brother used to be there. He left, moved somewhere else, Oklahoma, whatever. And then he came back because there was a, there was a slot. There was an opening. Another brother left. So now we've got an opportunity for somebody to come in. In other words, we've got a salary that's available, and now he's back. Ah. <laughs> you see? The motive is always about you, etc. So men's heart feeling for fear and looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, and when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your hands for your redemption draws nigh. Now, in Isaiah chapter 9, 6 and 7, it says here, Unto us a child is born, but a son is given. Y'all remember that principle? Yeah. You get one born again, and they want to put him in, in the ministry and government somewhere, and he's not even ready, right? A son, a, 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 just like a child is born, but when you come into maturity in the kingdom of God, now God can be, give you back to the people because your motive is not to serve yourself, to, it's to serve them. It's to help them, educate them, train them, raise them up, make disciples, in other words. So it says, shall be upon his shoulder. So where is the government? Jesus is the head of the church, right? He firmly has the government on his shoulder. And he's not buckling. He's not breaking down because of the pressure. But look at all these organizations that are breaking down because of the pressure. In other words, where is the government in their life? They weren't established on the word of God. They were established on the people coming in and bringing their monies, and then we can have all these outreaches and all these ministries and stuff. The order was wrong, in other words. So it says here, um, upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called, Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, I, I want to come to that scripture because it says, uh, and they shall see, and when they shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and glory. So in other words, where is the world going to see Jesus? Right here. Okay? Now, back to the previous scripture. The government, all right, Isaiah chapter 9 again. I mean, yeah, Isaiah 9. Let me get there again. So it says here, the government shall be upon his shoulder and his, and his name shall be called wonderful. How are they going to call Jesus wonderful? If he's not being manifested in your life. How is he going to be called counselor if you're not bringing a word in season to their lives? You see? How is he going to be the mighty God if, they're not, if he's not being displayed in your life? How is he going to be the everlasting father? Amen. Raising and training up the sons of God, the daughters of God, in whatever capacity, right? And then it says the prince of peace. How are they going to experience the peace of God if the government of God is not in your life? 
You see? It's, it's, it's us that's revealing the Son of Man to the earth. And when these things come to pass, then look up and lift up your hands for your redemption draws nigh. The world is waiting for the sons of God to grow up, to mature. And we see that in, in, in Romans chapter 8, right? It says that all of creation groans and trail, travails together in pain until now. Amen. Until the manifestation, the revealing, mm. taking off that that uh, that 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 covering off that 2021 car, <laughs> so we can see it. You see, when we finally come to maturity, God will begin to display you, and you'll be able to demonstrate the Spirit of God and the Word of God, and bring the counsel of God to the people and bring the everlasting father and bring the prince of peace and bring the government of God and bring the miracles, etc., etc., and bring the power of God and the authority of God, etc., 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 because your life is a manifestation of Jesus Christ. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. So we said, look up, brothers and sisters, for your, your redemption draws nigh. In other words, all those people that are out there, they're going to be able to say that of a truth, God is in your life. As Nicodemus told Jesus, no man can do these miracles that you're doing, but God is with them. They're going to be able to clearly say that. And that's why God is, is, is intent, again, on us growing up. And this is why, this is the hour where we need to come into the law of resurrection with intent and within purpose. In other words, our lives should be more serious now in our intent and our pursuit of God than they ever have been in our lives. Amen. Because the hour, this is the hour of promotion, the hour of power to those that are humble before their God. So in 1 Peter 5, starting with verse 4, it says, When the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fades not away. In other words, when he appears, it's not a crown that mankind is going to see. But let me tell you who is going to see it. The devils are going to see it. The demons, the principalities, the powers, they're going to know this son of God, as it says over there, they shun you. They don't want to be around you. Because they know that if they get around you with these people that they're infesting, those people are going to get delivered. The redemption draws nigh. They're going to get redeemed. They're going to understand they've been purchased by Jesus Christ and by the blood. And they're going to walk in that freedom and in that liberty. So it says, likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you. The word exalt here is a Greek word, hupso, which means to raise you to the very summit of opulence and prosperity in due time. Opulence means luxurious wealth. That's what opulence means. And so, again, not luxurious wealth so we can heap it upon ourselves, right? But so that now we can have the bread to distribute to the world, to be able to help them with their needs and stuff. I'm going to give you Jesus Christ, but I can also fill your belly. I can pay for your bills, amen? I can help you and help you understand, as the scripture says, it's the goodness of the Lord that leads a man to repentance. So here again, Understanding the ways of God and how God is revealing himself and how God is bringing the law of resurrection to our lives. And what this means is that in Acts chapter 13, verse 17, he says, The God of this people of Israel 
chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt with an high arm, he brought them out of it. The word exalted here is the same word hoopso, which means to raise to the very summit of opulence and prosperity. They were loaded, man. When they came out of Egypt, they were loaded. They had enough. They had, they had the things that they were going to need to be able to be established in the land that God was giving them, the inheritance. And then out of that, they were going to be the nation that everybody was going to be able to go to. Because the government of God was there, man. The life of God was there. The presence of God was there. The power of God. But we know what happened to the children of Israel, right? They whined and complained and murmured. And they never got to see the promise of God except for Joshua and Caleb. Not even Moses was able to enter in. And look at the relationship that Moses had with the Father. Mm. Hmm. We have to be understanding here is that God, all this time of preparation in our lives to get you a place where you're packaged and sealed for the Lord and only for the Lord. This is the time of proving in your life, man. God is, is preparing and training and teaching to get you to that place of responsibility to be able to manage. As Jesus said, how are you going to be able to manage the true riches? You see? And we don't understand that, you know, we think it's about right now, but again, the law of reaping and sowing is that you reap what you sow. You know, you give, but you give grudgingly, right? Or you serve in your time, but, you know, you're very tight with it. You can tell that there's not that flow of God there in your life, man, because it's all about you. You want the recognition. You want the promotion. You want the people to see you. Psalms 81.10 says, I am the Lord thy God which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it, Lord of God. You see what he's doing, man? He's getting us to that place where we can receive of the Lord and, and not be, and not get to that place where we got the big head. <laughs> you know, I remember growing up, you know, and, and there would be some acknowledgement, acknowledgement from your father or something, and all of a sudden you felt like you were the more important person in the room. <laughs> but eventually that glory faded, eh? So God began to speak to them, and they feared his voice, okay? Because they did not understand the voice that spake to them. So you must humble yourself in this hour so that you can hear clearly what God is saying. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 and 2, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. We started hearing and understanding the voice of God here. And the purpose of the voice was to prove you, as Moses told him later on, verse 20, and Moses said unto the people, fear not, for God has come to prove you, and that his fear may be in your faces that you sin not. Right? And so all this time, and Moses told him, God is coming to prove you. In Exodus 13, 3, it says, and Moses said unto the people, remember this day in which he came out from Egypt out of the house of bondage. For by strength of hand and the Lord hath brought you out from this place, there shall no leavened bread be eaten. And leaven is a representation of sin. God was trying to teach them that, that you need to understand that every time you partake of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil and go your own way outside of what I've given you and what I'm teaching you, you're going to pay the price. There's consequences. And so, anyway, we, we, we understand clearly that you know, the scripture says in 23.15, Thou shalt keep the feast of unleavened bread. 
Thou shalt eat unleavened bread seven days as I command thee, commanded thee. In the time appointed of the month Abib, for in it thou camest out of Egypt, and none shall appear before me empty. And then he says, we're not empty because we're walking in humility. As the scripture says, he daily loads us with benefits. In Psalm 68, 19, blessed be the Lord who daily loads us. See, eternal life wasn't about, again, I'm going to live forever. It's that today all my needs are met. Because I'm going out in the morning, if you will, and I'm gathering that manna. Enough for me and my family and for my brothers and sisters. Amen. In other words, I have a relationship with my father. And in verse Psalm 103, 2, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So his voice uh, had never been heard up to this hour. Moses was the only one communing with God. Actually, Abraham heard the voice of God. But the point is, God began to tell them all these things in their lives. And really, the whole, the whole ten of the Ten Commandments was um, all about selfishness. You see, you cannot have another man's wife. You cannot bear false witness. Because if you're bearing false witness, you're speaking up for yourself. You see, you're covering yourself. You're being, you're, you're, your soul, like I said, the number one strength of a man's soul is self-preservation. So you're preserving yourself. In other words. So if you look at all the Ten Commandments, you know, thou shalt have no other gods. You shall not covet your, your, your neighbors, anything, his wife, his, his slave, his animals, whatever. And all these things were by God was trying to tell them that be content, as the scripture says, with what you have. Don't sit there and go and try to find another man's wife, etc. Or vice versa, another man's husband. So the scripture says in Psalm 14.1, when Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob, from a people of a strange language. You see, they didn't understand. The world didn't. First of all, Egypt was the voice of the stranger, man. Everything that they got in the world was always pressure, man. Pressure to perform, pressure to make the sales, pressure to work harder, in other words, you know. And so, as it says in 136, 11 Psalms, and brought out Israel from among them for his mercy endures forever. He did it because of his mercy and his love for us, man. And he trains us and teaches us even in this hour because of his love for us. Amen? Amen. Man. Now, I want to highlight something here. Now we're going to talk about these outlines and stuff. So that's a little bit about the law of resurrection. And the whole point is that if you're not dead to yourself, you see, then he can't resurrect you. Mm, got to be dead to yourself. Yeah. That's it. Wow. That's when the promotion comes. I didn't ask for Brother Daniel to meet him. Right? Mm. The Spirit of God is what connected us. Come on now. Come on. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> and the government in the house. Wow. Is bringing the peace to the people, the law of the Word of God. Yeah, you didn't ask for us to be from a different perspective, right? As a matter of fact, you know, the Scripture says that He gave apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherds, teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Hmm. You see, for the maturing of the saints. We can't get mature if we're not exposed to all facets of Jesus Christ as an apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, or teacher. So if you only have been experienced. For example, many fellowships, all they ever know is a shepherd appointment. You see what I'm saying? And then when they hear the voice of a prophet, they can't make a distinction about it. They hear the voice of an apostle. What? There's no more apostles today. You see what I'm saying? You got all these demonic doctrines, man, that taught come us on these now, things. Come on, 
The voice of an evangelist, right? Love the people, man. Learn how to love the people, man. Like right now, I know that you, Brother Confer, man, you got a heart for the people, man. That evangelism. Right? Yeah. That's that's called a Doma evangelist. You see? A love for the people. A love and a, and a compassion to bring the people in to the fold of Jesus Christ. That's a different grace and anointing than, a, than an apostle does. See, as I shared with y'all a few weeks ago, is that where is God going to train all the people that need to be trained and taught the ways of God? He's going to do it right here. But before he can do it right here, he's got to raise us all up. Right? The evangelist teaches us about how to love humanity and how to teach them about the love of Jesus Christ. Right? The prophet, he's interested in holiness. Amen? The apostle, come on now, come on. he's trying to set order. Right? Paul, the scripture says, that Paul says that I planted in Apollos water. See, see, Paul gave the revelation and then Apollos would water and build on those principles, in other words. This took years, man. They didn't do this in one week. One week seminars. And then the, the, the teacher, well, he's teaching you about, about order to the word. So the apostles order to, the, to, the, to how the body of Christ should function. Okay? This is why Jesus, the scripture calls Jesus the, in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. And I'm already getting into the lesson talking about the Doma here. The Doma is the gift made a gift of. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession in Christ Jesus. Jesus had to come first. The apostle is the one that comes first because there was no order. There wasn't anybody to teach him about how to function with one another and how to love one another. You see? And how to teach him about being born again and everything that he taught him, you know? There wasn't anybody. He had to take 12 to teach him about this order of God. You see? And how God operates and why what the heart of the Father is. As Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He had to teach him all these things, and everything, as a matter of fact, that Jesus taught us was all foundational. That's what apostles do, is they bring foundation. They're all foundational men. And then, as a prophet, like I said, his thing is about order to holiness. And then the teacher's order to the word. Evangelist is order to the love, teaching the people how to love humanity, and then loving humanity, and then shepherd appointment maintains that order. So in other words, the word of God comes forth out of the pulpit and, and, and somebody gets upset and, and they're a high tither. They got money, man. They bring in that nice check, right? They get offended. So they go to the appointment, the shepherd. Well, don't you think that, you know, what he was saying was a little bit too hard? So the, 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 the appointment is supposed to maintain the word. Well, is it scriptural? You see what I'm saying? Not fear and man, right? And, and the ones that are doing it because of dead works and bribes, in other words. So again, all this has a place. And, and again, that's called the Doma, right? The Doma is, is to make a gift of a gift and place it into the hands of another. So it's something that's prepared. Jesus was a gift made a gift of. God prepared him and sealed him and packaged him and got him ready and then gave him back to the people. So in... Uh, Philippians 4, 1, 4, 17. Not because I desire a doma, something prepared, in other words. So if you prepare a package and you and you give it to someone, that's 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 the that's the essence of doma, right? You're preparing something to give it to somebody else. But I desire fruit that may abound to your account. 
Money was a present that was made a gift and placed into the hands of Paul. Luke eleven thirteen. If you then being evil know how to give good domas unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Ghost to them that ask him? The Holy Spirit is a doma from God and placed into the hands of men. And of course, we know what mankind has done with that, right? With all the graces and the anointings and so on, and use it for their own glory, right? As Jesus said in John chapter 10, all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. You see? The people, they were, you know, the hiring, he taught us about the hiring that when the, when, the, when the pressure comes, the hiring flees. He's not there to, to, to make any kind of relationship with anybody. He just wants to check, so then he leaves. Ephesians 4, 8, wherefore he said, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave domas unto men. Jesus was and is the gift that possessed all five ministries of an apostle, prophet, shepherd, teacher. He gave these functions unto men and then made the domas of the men to give them back to the people. Now, I'm going to bring up a scripture. One verse here. I mean, one, something I'm about to say, but I'm going to tie it in with this scripture in 1 Corinthians 7, 1. Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. That word man there is the Greek word 4, 444. And it's the same word in Ephesians 4 8 where it says he gave gifts unto men. It was very clear what he was trying to say here. And that as he says here in the first Corinthians 7 1, it's good that a man not touch a woman. You see what I'm saying? God, and, and the thing about it is, is that because of the order of God and what he's trying to establish in the earth, it said, when someone has these graces on their lives, these domas on their lives, it doesn't mean that that's what they are. Okay, so if I'm a plumber, for example, and I know how to work plumbing and toilets and lines and water, whatever, that's not who I am. That's just my strength. Yeah, okay. You see what I'm saying? If I'm an electrician, I'm not... Joseph the electrician, I'm just Joseph the brother that has the grace to understand how to do electrical work. And I've been certified and I went to school for it. Or like in IT, right? I'm, I'm not a technician, that's just the minimal part of all that I can do and what God has graced me with, you see? And so that's where we have to understand, you know, what God was doing with all this is that he wasn't trying to build men as has as, as been established throughout the world. And then for that fact, women, right? Women with big ministries, man. And, and the thing about it is, is that it was for the purpose, the purpose of all that was for the people. Right? Ephesians chapter 4. To educate and train the people for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the weos of God, the Son of God, unto a perfect mind, unto the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. All of us. Uh, the only way that the fullness of Jesus Christ can be manifested is through all of us. You see? Not just one. So all these different graces that he brought to the body of Christ, these domas were the, for the perfecting of the saints. It was to grow them up. So they can come to find out what their strength is, so they can begin to operate in the ministry that God has given them, which is unto good works, which again is ultimately to the glory of God. So that's a little bit about doma. And then doses is the next word. So the reason I'm going over this is because there's nine different Greek words that talk about that are the word translated gift in the New Testament. Nine different Greek words. I'm going to read them out to you right here. Let's see here. 
Doma, Dosis, Dorea, Dorema, Duran, Caris, Charisma, Marismos, and then the last word is anathema, which shouldn't have been translated gift because it was an offering. Nine different Greek words to talk about the word gift. That are the translates the word gift. Now, dosis is that which is given. In other words, dosis means the gift always represents the nature of the person who gave it. So, in other words, if you give grudgingly, you see, the dosis, the gift that you're given, it's a wrong spirit, it's a wrong attitude behind it. Right? It represents. But if you give cheerfully, see, it tells you about the person, right, that's giving the gift. So, the gift always represents the nature of the person who gave it. So James 1.17, it says, Every good gift, dosis, and every perfect gift, dorema, is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. With whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Neither here the gift represents the person. God is good, therefore the gift is good. You see? God is perfect, the gift is perfect. Here is the best way to know if anything is from God or from Satan. Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruits. Whatever is the nature of the gift will be manifested in its fruit. Only good and perfect things come from God. The thief always comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I came that you might have Zoe and have it more abundantly. God doesn't make your kids sick or wreck your car to teach you something. The nature of that work is to kill and destroy. That's how you know who inspired that. You see? Who is the father of steel, kill, and destroy? His name is Satan. He is our enemy, not God. <laughs> it's just some simple things here, right? But, but when you put them in the light of the word of God, it makes, it makes a lot more sense. Now, the word derea means free, no strings attached. If anyone gives you something and, and is offended because you didn't say thanks, then it's not a derea. There's a wrong spirit behind it. A derea is a gift without expectation. While we were yet sinners, God gave Jesus the Holy Ghost, eternal life, righteousness, and etc. So before we had anything to do with the gift, even it was given without our giving thanks first. That tells you that the nature of it is holy, pure. And then the word Doran is the word sacrificial. The gift when given always hurts or costs the giver. This is not given out of your abundance. God had only one son, his begotten son, and he gave his only son. Abraham, right, was willing to sacrifice his only son. Mm. That gift was, like I said, it's a sacrificial, it's a Duran. And then the word caris is where we get the word grace from, unmerited favor, divine influence on our heart, the ability given to mankind. Lots of people may not deserve love, but we are to love them by caris, by grace. Mm. Lots of people may not deserve your ministry, but we are to minister to their needs by grace. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, right, our souls would be out of control, man. <laughs> I get really frustrated where right? at the end of the day, man, I am zapped, man. And and it's and you know, one of the things about about uh my wife, for example, she's a female. A woman will say twice as many words as a male in a day. <laughs> <laughs> say that again, say that again. 
A woman will say twice as many words as a male in a given day. For the same thing, for different things. Oh, different things. Oh. <laughs> and the reason I'm saying that is because when I'm at work, right, and I have used all my words, and I, you know, I do the best I can, give it to them as graciously as I can, but when I start feeling tapped, it's only by the grace of God that I'm still able to continue in the job because at that point I'm starting to get irritated. I have to deal with my soul, in other words. Because if not, I, I don't want to do anything. And when I get home and if the wife asks me, how was your day? It's always one, two, three word sentences. That's about it. It's all right. You know, everything's okay. That's it. I don't have no, I, I don't have, you know, three hours, I mean, five minutes of dialogue, right? Discourse, you know. But again... Like I said, my wife, you know, she notices details and pay attention, pays attention to all these things and these colors. And, you know, that's the way God made them, right? And they have to describe that. Of course, the beautiful thing about it, that is, is it takes both, right? Both the father and the mother to raise sons and daughters yeah. in the right way. So, again, that was the word caris, unmerited favor, divine influence. And then charisma, everybody has charismas. The nature of a charisma is also a grant, but this grant is an ability or qualification of God. Through the charisma, God has granted believers his ability and qualifications to perform and demonstrate his purpose and his will. So I'll give you those real quick. That's in Romans chapter 12. Starting with verse uh, 6. And I'll describe some of these. There's a whole, there, Again, when we, when we finally get to the place where we're teaching on all this, it's, it, there's a whole bunch of information and understanding about all this. So verse, uh, verse 5, So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, right? The joints and marrow. We supply marrow, which is the jelly substance in between the bones. We supply that life to one another in the spirit. Amen? So like the other day, for example, Brother Daniel, he called me and says, Joseph, you okay, man? He says, uh, Man, the people are asking about you. Yeah. And, and so right there, that supplied life to my spirit. Mm. You see? Joints and marrow. The joints, what you're connected to. You see what I'm saying? So, but in Romans chapter 12, so we've been many are one body in Christ and everyone members one of another. Having then charisma differing according to the charis that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Ministry, or diakonia, let us wait on our ministry. In other words, be about serving as you do. Nobody has to tell you, right? You just about. And then teacheth on teaching. So the, there's a difference between the charisma teacher and the doma teacher. And then exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. That's number six. He that shows mercy with cheerfulness. That's number seven. Those are seven charismas. Now, and I'll show you another place where that word charisma is used in 1 Corinthians 12, 4. And, and again, we're going to get into this a little bit, obviously a lot more, but the point is, is that in verse 4, he says, uh, well, let me read verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Right? The word gifts in the New Testament, anytime you see, I'm sorry, the King James, anytime you see the word gift in the 
I mean, an italicized word in the King James Bible, it wasn't a part of the original Greek. The word was added to try to add emphasis and help understand what the subject was. So when they came to this particular scripture, now concerning spiritual, if they read it without the word gifts, well, the next question is spiritual what? Right? Brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ignorant means you ignore it because you don't think you need to go that way. So a lot of people ignore God because they don't think they need God. Right? They don't want to hear about God. They don't want to hear nobody preaching about it, teaching about it, whatever, singing, whatever. So Paul was saying here, now concerning spirituals, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. Now we take this whole chapter here and we look at verse... Starting with verse um, 8, and we count there nine different manifestations, and we call that the nine gifts of the Spirit. But that's not what it's saying, because after you understand the teaching concerning nomoticals or spirituals, you'll see that there's 21 areas of spirituals that the Word of God teaches about, not just the nine manifestations. And so verse 4, it says, Now there are diversities of charismas, but the same Spirit. Holy Ghost. Differences of administrations, but the same Lord. Diversities of operations, but the same God, which worketh all in all. So right there, you got the Holy Ghost, you got Jesus, and you got the Father. They're all spirituals. You see? See? Amen. So again, this one says diversities of charismas, but the same spirit. And then differences of administrations is Ephesians chapter 4, where he talks about the Doma gifts. And then the operations, operations is the word uh, energia. So the operation belongs to God. It's all God's vision, amen. amen. And he's the chief operator. Mm. <laughs> amen. Now, and then now we got another word, marismos, and I read that one to you earlier. In Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the divide and asunder. The word divide and asunder is the word marismos. But in Hebrews chapter 2, I think, is it 14? Well, it talks about, anyway, the word, there's a word there that's, that's, that's translated the gifts of the Holy Ghost is the marismos of the Holy Ghost. So there's, marismos means a dividing asunder, a separation for clarification. You have to be able to distinguish it. In other words, being a contrast to both sides so you can understand what you're looking at or what you're dealing with. And then it's the word, the another word is anathema, and it's only found one time in Luke 21, 5, when it says that uh, when you bring your offering, let me go to that one, Luke 21, 5. And this is where the word anathema is found. Right? And of some, and, and as some spake of the temple, how it was adorned with goodly stones and gifts, he said. The word gifts is anathema. So in other words, it was a, it was a votive offering. It was something that's given, but it really should have been translated as a gift. It was just something that was given. So anyway, I wanted to talk a little bit about that because... You remember that scripture you read on Sunday about, uh, I think it was neglect, not the gift, or what was it? The gift and calling of God. Yeah. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. The word gifts is charismas. The charismas. Romans uh, 11.29. Right. Romans 11.29. The, 
the charismas of God are given without repentance. In other words, even in the world, when a person finally realizes what their graces are. So I was on the phone with the lady the other day, and she was trying to control the conversation. And, you know, she's over there in Minnesota somewhere, you know, and I'm working with her remotely. And I'm gonna say, I said, you know what, I'm going to tell you a little bit about yourself once we finish what we're working on here. I said, one of the graces in your life for charisma is charisma prophecy, I told her. And charisma prophecy, like I said, that's where they see black and white, there's no gray area. It's either right or it's either wrong. And they say what they see in the natural and in the spirit, see? And I shared that with her, and I told her, I, told her, I said, another grace you have on your life is charisma of Ruleth. Ruleth is a type of person that can get in front of a project and start managing the project quickly. They get out in front, they see the work that needs to be done, they try to determine what all their resources are, and they start making it happen. And that's the word pro-histomy. Pro means before histomy means stand. But anyway, I told her that. She goes, you know what? You're right. See, and she says, I wish my bosses could see that. <laughs> but again, the world hasn't been trained in these things, right? They call it, like, like my supervisor, she sent a little thing to me about uh, some of these little symbols. And, and she says, you're one that's uh, a producer, I think she called it. In other words, that's their tag in the world. Someone that's producing and getting product and making it, you know, making things happen, in other words. So and I shared with them, I shared, it's funny because when I was sharing that with her, her boss, which is, so she's my boss and then this other lady's her boss, which is all her boss, and I was sharing with them, you know, it's just the grace of God in my life, I told them, it's not really, um, it's just what I do, you know, so sometimes, you know, they give you praise and stuff and they good job and stuff, and I told my supervisor, well, my other boss, and he says, did you see that, that, that team's message they sent about, about how you're Superman and stuff? I said, Fernie, you know what, man? I just do what I do, man. I'm not looking for all that stuff, you know? I don't need that. I don't need those strokes, right? Like a child, right? You got to constantly encourage them, right? Because, you know, they can, get, they can get misdirected pretty quick. But I told him I don't need that. And I said, I'll, I'll just do what I do, you know? So I was sharing the same thing with my other boss and her boss. And, uh, and they're like, well, my main boss, she's like, hmm. See, it... it, it like I said, the world, they don't understand, you know, how all this stuff works, obviously. And, and, of course, it's up to, and I don't necessarily sit there and just preach all the time that I'm at work, right? I'm doing what I do about my technical things, right? Helping people and serving and serving and serving and serving and serving, not looking for any kind of recognition, right? Because the scripture says a man's gift will make room for him. Yeah. It's, it's authority that's going to recognize the graces of people on people's lives and begin to call it forth and bring them up into the law of resurrection. So anyway, that's just a little bit about the, the charismas and the gifts in our lives. And it's a very important that we understand that when we're talking about charismas, you know, we need to know, are you talking about a doma? Are you talking about the grace of God on somebody's life? Are you talking about the charisma, etc.? And then, you know, because again, the world doesn't have any understanding of those things. And when I share it, like I said, when I'm sharing, I share that thing with that one lady. I wasn't trying to tell her about the Lord or anything. I was just telling her some things that these are some graces in your life. And, and, I, and of course, I see it because like I told you earlier, the more that you have the word, the more you can see. Everything is naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. With 
is the word pros. To the advantage of to do is the word logos, which is word. To the advantage that you have the word is how you can see these things. You see? And uh, anyway, so, you know, once they, once, they, once they see these things, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, hearing them and the responses and stuff. And again, you know, most of these people, they're all involved about trying to make sales, you know, <laughs> trying to make money. All right, so how much time we got? 40? Maybe we ask questions. Yeah. Okay. You want to do a question now? Yeah, I have one question. Sure. What What is the cause that someone would know maybe a vision that God has given them? Mm -hmm. But then they reach certain area and they decide to be that kind of self-satisfied. Because if we talk about child, we talk about son. A, son, a child is born and a son is given. Mm -hmm. So knowing that you are called to be like a son, because when you when you come to a certain dimension, become a, you can become a son, where God can trust you with some things. But at some point in time, some people in their work with God, they kind of become self-satisfied, knowing that it's not where God has really, you know, called mm -hmm. them to be. God, God still intend more for them, but at some level of their life and they're working in the, in the law, they just at an average place and they just feel it's okay. Why why do you think you're responsible for that? Because well the thing is is that, you know, obviously the pursuit of God, you know, it takes work, right? There's a scripture in Mark chapter four where Jesus is talking to him about the parable of the sower and stuff. And later on, he says that um Verse 33, and it says, And with many such parables spake he the word unto them, as they were able to hear it. So in other words, it takes a lot of strength to be able to hear the word of God. Amen? And keep up, in other words. And the words able means to have power or ability. But the thing is, is that the scripture says that they, let me see, let me get this right. Let me see. They didn't, let's see here, they, they didn't wait on his plans. It's Psalms 107, verse 2, I think. Mm, that's not it. They didn't wait for his plans. They didn't wait on the Lord and respect his plans. In other words, his purposes for their lives, right? You know, again... It takes a lot of strength, right, to continue to pursue the Lord, man. And, uh, you know, when we get to that place where we're complacent, right, and we don't, we don't think that we need to go further in the Lord and in our pursuit of God, you see, if we get into that place where, we, first of all, we think we don't need to hear another brother or sister teaching us the Word of God, you know, because we've arrived, right? I got the gifts of God. I got miracles. I've got, you know, I've got this, all this ministry and stuff. See, you should always have someone that's able to speak into your life, right? And as a matter of fact, in the eldership of God is that if you remember that Moses had Aaron and her on his right and on his left, the government of God was never about a single person. Now, when, the, when it starts in the beginning, yes, it is. But as God begins to raise up leadership in the body of Christ and those that he can put on his right and on his left, the purpose of that is to keep everybody in check, right? So in other words, one brother might say, well, 
you know, Philip, the one wants to take his house this way. In other words, he's making a governmental decision, and the other brother doesn't bear witness to it. See, you always got to wait on the Lord and, and let the Lord speak it without anybody having to uh, acknowledge it, if you will. You remember when you were talking earlier about resurrection, right? I didn't, I didn't know you guys would be talking about that, and then that's what's on my heart. So that tells me right there that the government of Jesus Christ, right, he's the head of the church. That's what he wants to tell the people. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Not because I'm involved in governments or anything, but, but because he's the head of the church, right? And so, again, that complacency becomes in people's lives because of pride, right? Mm. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And, and you know, again... Any person that thinks they have arrived is 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 uh, missing the mark, man. And again, you know, God has His ways about how He brings us through, right? He spoke the word to Abraham, and uh, the Scripture says He gave Abraham the promise, but it was up to God to perform it, right? The perform promise to performance. And when we wait on the Lord, man, He'll make it so clear. You know, He'll He'll bring dreams, He'll bring visions. That's why we need the body of Christ joints and marrow in our lives that can be able to speak to these matters, right? So like I shared with you about evangelism, right? I didn't, I didn't necessarily get that from the Lord in prayer and, you know, rabo sakata sent with God or anything. I got it because I observe you and I see the grace of God in that. You see what I'm saying? I don't need to, uh, you know, all by me asking you and then you confirming it by saying yes. You see what I'm saying? The thing, same thing with diaconia, right? Deacon. And and so it's the Lord that, that knows how to bring the, 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 the joints and marrow and the marrow that we need to bring us life. And it comes through the body of Christ. Many members, right? All these members are able to supply the life of God. And that's what God wants to bring, you know, the house to, the fellowship, is that every one of us is a habitation of shepherds. In other words, a place where anybody can come into this place and any one of us can bring them the counsel of God. Amen. For mm. their lives Amen. and where they are. Yeah, very close to the question he's asking. Uh, last week there was a bishop preaching. He stood up and said, "If you are looking for God somewhere else, you are making a mistake. If you want to see God, see me. I'm hey. the image of God. If I say I'm God, he jump up, and I just turn the page." <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> what you were saying on Sunday about you gotta know the fruit, right? Tree. One time, one time there was this the guy on Channel Two, right? The Daystar, right? And he was he's up there every Sunday, man. And he says, "Me, you know, I started changing my diet and I started drinking uh, um, almond milk, you know." And he, and he named the brand of the almond milk, you know, one famous brand or whatever. And he says, "Whoa, whoa, whoa." I'm not getting paid to bring sponsorship to them. Y'all can just let me move on. You understand? The, these guys are hirelings, right? They're looking for the most amount of pay for the least amount of work. You know, Paul, Paul lived with the people, man. He trained them. He he did he paid his own way, right? He didn't he didn't need these these gifts from the people and the great, you know, the things that they were giving him and stuff. And uh, but the point is is that he lived with the people, man. And, and that's where, in John chapter 10, and this is called the Porter Ministry, John chapter 10, right? Verse, start verse, verse 
Verse 1, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth in, not by the door, into the sheepfold, but climbs up another way, the same as a thief and a robber. See, we have to understand that the way that people are getting to these destinations that weren't ordained of God because they didn't go in the right pattern in the right way is not of God. That's why, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. They're doing it not the way of God. The pattern of Jesus Christ. They're not coming up. The scripture says that for those to be planted in the house of the Lord, these will flourish. If you want to flourish out there in the out ministry, you got to be planted. Amen? So these sons of God and, 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 and the daughters out there that are, are setting up these big time ministries, you know, you know, the, the, the thing is, is that ultimately the fruit is going to speak of the result and the output that it's bringing forth. And so the statements like that are made, you know, the other guy that I was telling you about, you know, he says, I didn't, I'm, they're not paying me to sponsor that. What kind of almond milk is that? It's a real famous brand, you know. But anyway, he says, they're not paying me for sponsorship. I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You know them by their fruit, right? That statement right there or, or the observation that you've made that somebody has plateaued and they don't think they can go any higher in the Lord, that right there tells you all you need to know about that situation. You got to see it by the word, amen. And and yeah, but, but what I was saying is that you're talking about Christian growth and maturity, mm -hmm. and God as God will continue to lead you certain levels, certain levels, let's say level your relationship with Him. But I guess sometimes it's like some some knowing your some people that work with God at some point in time they just becoming you no know, self-satisfied maybe to the level God have called maybe if. <clears throat> For example, a, ch a church maybe that started maybe with 10 members, then they don't only go to 500, mm. then they go to 1,000, maybe be 1,005. Then maybe the person just gets self-satisfying, you know, mm. of, yeah, you know, like get 1,500 members now. Okay. Or maybe go and intend something big up and like maybe the ministry will be in different, different, different nations. But then you just self-satisfied with maybe the kind of membership God has given you now with a level or something. Then you mm -hmm. just feel says, why can really be responsible for that and knowing that there's still something more that God desires out of you? Well, here's the thing. And, and the thing is, whatever you need, because you're missing it with God, I'm going to tell you what God is going to do in that man's life is God's going to send him a prophet. Mm -hmm. And that prophet is going to tilt him. The scripture says in, in Jeremiah 48, I think it's 48, it says that Moab has been at ease from his youth. He has not been emptied of himself from vessel to vessel. In other words, that individual's drinking his own blood. He thinks it's him again. The principle of Satan, right? Lucifer. He thought the glory was him. I've arrived. I've got, I've got the status of what the world says is success and what the Babylonian system says is success. I've got the 10,000. See? But if you look at what Jesus did, Jesus raised up 12 sons, man. And look what they did because they represent the government of God. You see? So remember I was sharing with y'all last week is that <clears throat> Jesus had the 5,000, right? And Luke chapter 12. And he says, and I know why you follow me because you want the miracles and the fish and the loaves. All right? Mm -hmm. They didn't want a relationship with the Father, man. In Luke chapter 12, verse 1, it says, In the meantime, when they were gathered together, an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trolled one upon another, 
he began to say to the disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is a hypocrisy. The word innumerable multitude is 10,000. Can you imagine 10,000 people spread out all over the, the, the earth down there, man? Those days, yeah. You see? And, 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 and so the first thing that he did, Jesus, before he, they began to minister to the people, is that you need to be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees. What are they interested in? They're interested in getting that fat paycheck, man. They want to know how to market to the people. I remember I was at, when I worked at this previous place that I shared with y'all before, and uh, they got these big screens, man. You know, three of them, or more maybe. You know, all nice and pretty. And and they were having a, a, a youth rally, you know, like two nights or something for the, for the youth. And I was up there working, you know, I was doing the media that night. And then all of a sudden, there was an advertisement for uh, Mint Dental. You ever seen those signs, you know, Mint Teeth and all that? Mm -hmm. Mid dental, right there, in the in the eyes of all those youth and the people that were there. You see what I'm saying? You're making covenants with the world. And let me tell you something. One time we were having a, a retreat, and the statement was made is that AT and T pulled their sponsorship of five hundred thousand dollars. Right? Because whenever it was whenever they showed up to be seated, they didn't get seated in the front row. <laughs> and so AT and T didn't cut no more chicks. Five hundred thousand. They didn't get seated in the front. AT and T. The representatives that that were you know responsible for getting a donation of five hundred thousand. They, got, they didn't get seen in the front, they got put in the back. Because of that? They pulled their sponsorship. Yeah. See, what I'm saying is, let me show you something else. Man, oh man. Four of them, man. Second Corinthians chapter 2, starting verse 16. To the one, we are the savor of death unto death. See, because we're lives are dead. All you, you don't smell me. You don't smell my glory, my vision, my dream, all this stuff. It says, unto the other, the savor of Zoe, unto Zoe. You see? Because, and then he says, and who is sufficient for these things? So to the one where we're dead, to the, to the man that, understand the, that doesn't understand the kingdom of God, it smells awful. But to the guy that's serving the Lord, he, he receives the Zoe of God, the life of God. And then he says, for we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as, as a sincerity, but as of God in the sight of God speak we in Christ. Amen. The word which corrupt is the word kapeluo, which means to be a retailer and to peddle. To make money by selling anything, to get sorted or dirty gain by dealing in anything, to do a thing for base gain, to trade in the word of God. That's what those guys were doing, man. You know? And of course, like I said, I was working there and I saw all that stuff, man. And man, I didn't understand. You know, I was I was still, you know, I was just kind of naive, you know. I didn't realize all that stuff was going on, man. But, you know, it's it's clear now, you know, and, and 
Anyway, the point is, is that, you know, the heart and the motive has to be right. Amen. If it's about you, then Jesus said, you'll know the doctrine, whether it's of me, whether they speak of themselves. Amen. Amen. How much more time? Is that it? All right. Praise God. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this opportunity to break bread, Father God, and share the kingdom of God and the ways of God. I thank you for your faithfulness, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that as the scripture says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of our mouths, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it might minister grace to the hearers. And I pray, Lord God, that grace has been ministered, Father God, to those that are listening and those that will listen in the future. I thank you, Lord, for my precious brothers and sisters, Father God, and I thank you, Lord God, for your faithfulness and how you honor your word, Father, in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. What an awesome teaching, man. Holding all things by his word.